Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson with a second straight episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm uh, with Josh taking a little bit of time. Uh, I have decided that I would like to talk to all of our wonderful contributors who are at least willing to talk to me at MavsMoneyBall.com. And I am joined tonight by Xavier Santos. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Kirk. How are you doing today? I am okay. My wife is upstairs unclogging a drain and emasculating me because I told her I needed to go record a podcast. So, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's, it's all for the love. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, part of the series was, you know, Josh and I, when we started doing our podcast, we started doing it two seasons ago, kind of in the second half and then like COVID happened and we're trying to stay on top of things. And then when I brought you guys on board last season, we did that. Um, you kind of came on in the second half of the 2021 season. And at that point, there's just so many games that I really wasn't able to do some of the stuff that I wanted to do. Because when there's like breaks between games and stuff, you can kind of explore, you know, aspects of basketball a little more thoroughly. You know, anything from like the gambling to the crazy stuff that is talk does. But when we just had a game every other day, it was like a relentless march. And as a result, I kind of didn't get, to get, didn't get to introduce our staff as much as I would have liked. Um, for anyone who has listened to the podcast for a while, they know that Xavier joined us um, as a result of being a consistent and awesome guest on our locker room, now green room. And I just basically wanted to, to make him part of the staff if there's anything he wanted to write about. But before we kind of talk about that, I wanted to, to kind of ask you, how you ended up being a Mavs fan, because I, I'm pretty sure you live on the East Coast right now. But, you know, so tell us a little bit how, how you ended up here. So I wish I had a, a great story about how I became a <laughs> Dallas Mavericks fan. But unfortunately, it's going to sound really lame. But it was because of NBA Jam, because of the arcade game. That's a so, great story. Uh, what are you talking about? Tell, keep going. <laughs> So I was I was probably eight, nine years old when I was introduced to the game. And at the time, despite the fact that I was in New York and living in the Bronx, I just hated the Knicks, right? I hated Patrick Ewing, John Starks. I liked Anthony Mason. I liked Charles Oakley. But other than that, I just, I really hated the Knicks. And so just through playing the game, I kind of fell in love with the Mavericks and Jim Jackson, Jamal Mashburn. Um, they were on the game. I fell in love with them. They were in the news. Um, and Jason Kidd was in the news because of a love triangle involving, I believe, Tony Braxton, who was like the most popular singer out there at the time. Um, and then it just kind of stuck. And so anytime I would tell people that I was a Dallas Mavericks fan, they wouldn't believe me. Um, because I mean, who roots for the Mavericks? But they were terrible then. They were, they were one of the worst sports franchises out of all of them in, at that point in time. But their uniforms were awesome, Kirk. Yes. And, that, and for a nine-year-old, that's what matters. So that's what I fell in love with, the color scheme and the video game. And I liked playing with them in the video game. And then it just, like I said, it just kind of stuck. And then, uh, you know, shortly after, you know, we ended up drafting Dirk, and then the rest is history. So how long, you know, you? I think you and I are pretty close in age. But how long have you been kind of a night-in, night-out basketball fan. Because, like, I lived in Dallas in, in the um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, kind of as things really started kicking off. I watched a lot in high school, but then I really didn't fall in, like, because then I moved, I was out in California, and then I really felt, like, face-first right out of college when I was, like, 22 and had nothing else to do. 
I would just like, well, that was kind of when I really, really fell, fell deep into basketball. But, you know, we, we've had a lot of uh, evolution in terms of how much sports we can consume over the last five or 10 years. But so how did you, like, how much basketball were you, were you consuming? And at what point did it really become like the thing for your like, like sports consumption? Oh, I would say definitely 2011. Um, since 2011, I've probably watched 80 to 90% of Mavericks games. Um, even if I don't catch them live, I would usually just go on League Pass the next day and watch the 30-minute replay or whatever just to watch mm-hmm. the night before. But um, 2011 was when my fandom really went to the point where I'm now a psychopath about the Mavericks. And the thing is, people who know me, like, I, before writing for you guys, um, I was anonymous online. And I, I enjoyed my anonymity, right? I was a lonely Maverick fan. I didn't know any Maverick fans in real life. I didn't talk to anybody about the Dallas Mavericks. I was just a psychopath in my own little bubble. And I wasn't really in tune with the whole Mavericks community. Um, which has, its, now, which it was, has its pluses. Let's, let's just be clear. No offense to all you lunatics out there. It, it has its pluses and it has its downsides as well. I think the first mean comment that someone wrote on my article, like, sent me into a state of rage um, for about two days. Because that's the thing. I've never had my Twitter mentions filled with people telling me that I was a complete moron and an imbecile. So this is new to me, right? I had to sure. kind of get used to the fact that, hey, people are going to disagree with you. Now, understanding that I'm a bit of an egomaniac. And because I've never been challenged on my opinions about the Mavericks, like I said, it was just something that I needed to get used to. But honestly, just through writing, it's been therapeutic for me. And honestly, I kind of enjoy the pushback because I'm one of those people, I I like to be challenged and I like to challenge because I love to learn, right? That's just the way my personality is. And if someone can prove me wrong, for me, that's like the greatest thing ever because that means that I learned something. Now, Initially, you know, you take a bit of an ego hit being proven wrong, but eventually, you know, that's how you get to learn and experience new things. So honestly, I'm thankful for the community. I'm thankful for the fact that I do get pushback because it does kind of make me reevaluate some of my beliefs and some of the things um, that I that I think about the Mavericks. So I enjoy it. It's been a it's been a learning process, and honestly, the last three four months, I think I've been writing for the site for about three four months. Mm-hmm. If I'm correct? Yeah, they they've been great. So that also makes awesome. the day go by faster. Like that's oh, one yeah. of the because it's and 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 we love we love our guy Matthew who is also from from <laughs> from the green rooms, but he he could argue, you know, you could tell him the sky is blue and he would say here's why it's not, and in our Mavs Moneyball Slack, depending on what you're doing that day, you kind of have the option to check in and out about any sort of Maverick related discussion, which is a little more productive than some of the Twitter discussions and social and Facebook and stuff where a lot of people are typing and they don't really want to talk. They don't really want to have a discussion. So we, we've kind of had some, some fun back and forth and what we, and, and this is what Tim and I talked about last night where you know, and I'm working on this in terms of the gender gap, but we really have like a, a wildly diverse staff in terms of both like people and then the way people like to consume basketball. Um, and I think that can make for some like really diverse opinions because like Tim, for example, was telling me last night, he's like, I love talking about like the ins and outs of basketball, but because I had, you know, because he has like three very young children there's just times when he's not able to really get into the weeds because he has to do other stuff. And, and yeah. it's, it's, it's fun to dip in and out like that because they're like the Mavericks for as much as we complain about them, they're really interesting. 
They, no, they are. They, they never, and that's the thing, they, there's never a dull day as a Mavericks fan um, because of Luka. Luka brings excitement, and especially when you're a team like the Mavericks who, look, let's be honest, if, 20, if two years ago you would have told us that we'd be here now, none of us would have believed that. Let's say three years, before we drafted Luka, when, mm. when our team was pretty much just Dennis Smith Jr., no one would have anticipated that we'd be here, and now we have a lot of what we call first world problems, right? Where three years ago, we would have taken these problems any day of the week. But now, we're spoiled. And Luca has done that to us to the point where we are spoiled. Um, but I think, you know, and I do love the fact that even in our Slack and even on Twitter, my opinion is different than most people's. And I think part of that is, you know, I'm a gambler, right? So you ask me, like, how much basketball I consume. I consume a lot of basketball because I'm, I'm a gambler. I like to wage on games. And for me, that's, you know, that's pretty much my introduction to really being a hardcore basketball fan, which is gambling from night to night. Um, and so it gives me a, I, I, at least I think, a broader perspective on the league as a whole, whereas a lot of Mavericks fans that I encounter online, you know, they watch a ton of basketball, but they watch a ton of Maverick basketball. And so it's easy to get bogged down in the team and not, and it's hard to just take a step back and look at the league as a whole. And I think that's why I enjoy basketball so much is because gambling has forced me to watch back when they were the Charlotte Bobcats against the Milwaukee mm. Bucks on a Tuesday night, there's no reason for me to be watching that game. But when you have a wager, um, then all of a sudden you're up watching that game. And so, like I said, you just, you just see the league from a different perspective um, when you come at it from that point of view. Well, that actually kind of leads – there's a couple of things that, that I'm thinking about now, now that you say that. So what sort of things drew you to at least wanting to to contribute about the site? Because, you know, you come, you came on our green rooms and were asking questions and talking, you know, kind of talking about the things you were already thinking about. What sort of things, like, led you to want to, like, contribute to the site? And then um, on top of that, like, heading into this season, what are you interested in about the coming season and is there anything that you're kind of looking forward to maybe either writing on or talking on with our podcasts? Sure. I think the, I think the Mavericks are going to be a test case on team building. And how do you successfully build around a star? And I think that we've seen some teams fail at it in great fashion. I mean, take a look at the, the New Orleans Pelicans when they had Anthony Davis, right? They had a superstar in his prime, and yet they can never maximize his talents because, unfortunately for them, they went all in at the wrong time, and they cashed in all their chips for players that really didn't move the needle for them. They had some bad injury luck with DeMarcus Cousins getting hurt, and then Anthony Davis ended up leaving the Pelicans for greener pastures. And I think that we find ourselves in that situation, too. It's like, well, there's a lot of paths for us to take. Which, what's the correct path? You know, do we take do we take the staircase? Do we go step by step? And should we as fans be happy with just improvement from year to year? Or do we want to get from point A to point Z in a single offseason or in a single year? And is that the smartest thing to do? For uh-huh. example, the Chicago Bulls. You've seen they've cashed literally. They can't trade another first round pick probably for the next eight to ten years. And the team that they've built, is it a championship contender? I would argue it's probably not. But if you're a fan of a team that has been struggling for so long, if you're the owner of a team that has been struggling for so long, is making the playoffs good enough? And so what I've seen just from being online and interacting with fans is that everyone has a different definition of what success means to them. For Uh some fans, success means making it to the second round. Why? We lost in the first round twice. So for them, success is simply making it to the second round. For me, I view success as building a sustainable championship contending team. 
Now, the path to those two things looks different, right? Because you can go all in or, or you can make moves to simply get you to the second round, but that may be your ceiling. That, that sort of stuff doesn't interest me. I'm not interested in just making a second round. I want to see Luka compete for a title. And so that means we have to rethink the way that we approach team building. And so that's what I'm interested to see is what approach, you know, the front office takes. And are we really going to see change? Um, I think my introduction to the Mavs community was with that article where I not, you know, the headline saying I was defending the front office, but more so I was just trying to give fans a different look at, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, what has happened in those off seasons and what's led us to this point. But, um, but yeah, that's what I'm interested to see is, you know, what kind of steps do we take? Um, because, like I said, if you if you look around the league, if you look at Portland, I mean, there's any number of examples of teams that simply were unable to build around their star. And for Mavs fans, we don't want to be next. So that's what I'm oh, looking for. That I completely understand. So so earlier you had talked about, you know, kind of one of the things that you really enjoy um, is is the wagering on kind of the league kind of the league as a whole keeps you mixed up in that um kind of a pair of questions from that like first it's a little early for this but but are there anything um maverick related that you're seeing out uh kind of in the betting world that you're very interested in and then second are there are is there anything kind of in the nba at large that you feel is is worth kind of keeping an eye on um there's, I was just out in Vegas, and like, kind of the volume of things that you can bet on in relation to the NBA is really kind of incredible, um, and 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 it's almost overwhelming for me because I just I don't know enough about it. But I always try to follow it because my I I, um, I have a friend that that works at a um, one of the big media sites where they're kind of just dipping into gambling. And really, like the the way like gambling coverage is so interesting to me because all of, it, it really is just a it's like the stuff that is talk does for us where it's just a different way of looking at information in in relation to the games. So, sorry, I kind of babbled on past my question there. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Um, So I think the biggest thing that the general public doesn't understand about gambling is that Vegas's job is to set the line where ideally 50% of the public will bet on one side, 50% of the public will bet on the other side, and then they're able to make their money off what we call the juice, right? So that's where Vegas makes their money. Because if too much of the public bets on one side of the line, then that exposes Vegas. Because if that side wins, now Vegas has to pay out all those bets. That's a losing proposition for them. So just because Vegas sets the line at 48 and a half, that doesn't mean that that's what they expect the the Mavericks to win. That's where they believe they'll be able to split public opinion and get bets on both sides. Now, remember, when we first saw the lines open up, it had the Mavericks at about 48 and a half games. And I remember saying, I said, look, because of all this, the things that have happened with the front office, there's a bad taste in the public's mouth about the Mavericks, right? You combine that with the fact that we didn't make any significant needle-moving acquisitions in the offseason, the average better is going to look at that and say, you know what? the Mavericks aren't going to be better than they were last year. So I'm going to go ahead and bet the under. And what happened was a ton of people put money for the Mavericks to underperform that 48 and a half line. And then yesterday, Doyle actually released the most recent numbers. And that line had actually dropped from 48 and a half games to 47 and a half games. 
Reason mm. for that, a ton of people bet the under, and so now they're trying to lower the line to the point where more people will be willing to take the over so that way they're not over leveraged and they're not exposed. Mm. Um, so to me, that presents a ton of value for the Mavericks because if that line continues to drop, if you believe in the Mavericks the way I do during the regular season at least, there's tremendous value on that, and I would expect what they call the sharps, or those are the people that are professional gamblers, right? Their bankroll is in the millions of dollars. They're the people who actually move the lines. What they do is they wait for the public to kind of pick a side, they wait for the line to move, and then they hop on the opposite side. Whenever the general public is in favor of one thing, you'll see that the professional gamblers often take the other side because the average better loses, right? Right. So simply put, you know, I would expect a ton of sharp money or professional gamblers to be pounding the over for the Mavericks. As a whole, like I said, when you look at where a lot of the lines have been set, it's all about public opinion. For example, there's a lot of buzz about the Warriors. And so the Warriors line is inflated. They have a, Their line is 49 and a half games. Now, the reason why that line is so high, they haven't said yet, right? There's, there's an inkling, there's rumors out there that Clay probably won't start the season fully healthy, and even if so, by the time he gets back, they're probably going to ease him into the lineup, but because there's a lot of buzz about the Warriors, they have to inflate that line, because if you put that line too low, a ton of people are going to bet the, bet the over. Now they inflated the line to account for all of the offseason hype surrounding the Warriors, and so if, if you were to get a Vegas expert on the phone and say, hey, how many games do you think the Warriors win? It's probably a lot less than 49 and a half, but again, they set the line based off public opinion, not where they actually how good they believe the team is, um, mm. especially, and that's true, during the offseason. Now, during the regular season, that's where you'll start to see who Vegas thinks is actually a good team on a night-to-night basis. But for now, in the offseason, it's all about capitalizing off public, public opinion. So I, know, I kind of want to ask you about, like, in-season in betting. So how, how far out are you – how far out do they like release lines for games? Is it basically every day or do they do anything like a little further in advance? They'll, they'll do things in advance, but because of injuries, because of, you know, just a, a bunch of, a bunch of things, it's really dangerous to really bet games too far out. So mm-hmm. you won't see um, people that are actually knowledgeable doing that. Um, Cause there's really no value in it. And, and gambling is all about finding finding value sure um because you know even if your team let's say i'm i like to bet on the mavericks maybe the mavericks we stay healthy but whatever opponent we're facing there may be things going on with that team that i just can't account for two weeks out so it would be foolish for me to put money on it because any number of things could happen between now and then that could pretty much neutralize my bet um and put me on the wrong side of it so you know usually you want to bet um same day and most people wait until right before tip off because especially in that hour or two before the game actually tips off there's a ton of moving parts right there's injury news oh they release who's going to be the referee for that game that referee tends to call a lot of fouls and so on and so forth and so most people wait until right until tip off and that's where you'll see a majority of the money actually being wagered on the game sure sure okay last question so the thing that i that i was most drawn to when i was in vegas and I didn't do it, but I, I, I find most appealing is in-game betting, like the kind of quarter by quarter or really, you know, depending on which sport, like that sort of thing. 
how prevalent is that now? And is that something that's kind of like coming to, to game? I know it's probably heavily regulated, but that just seemed like something that'd be really fun. Like, you know, is LeBron James going to score eight points in the fourth, you know, in the fourth quarter type stuff? Sure. So for any, for any new sports book, um, they're probably not going to have in-game betting. Um, a lot of that is centralized in Vegas or in offshore mm-hmm. gambling websites. Now, for anyone out there, if you're looking to make a wager, do not bet in-game. Now, there's a reason for that. Okay. There's usually, there's usually a delay of a few seconds between live action and what you're seeing on your screen. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. if you're streaming through an app, or if you have cable, you could be as much as 30 seconds to a minute behind. So you're not getting information in real time, but the people there are. So they might set a line and you might think, oh, wow, the Mavs just went on a run. Just went on a run. I'm going to go ahead and, and make a bet. What you don't know is that in the 30 seconds that have transpired, the other team just scored nine straight points and you have mm-hmm. no idea. So by the time you make that bet, it's now, it's now fool's gold. Because the information you're not getting information in real time, and so Vegas takes advantage of that. So I would recommend anyone looking to do in-game betting just stay away because oftentimes, if it's too good to be true, it usually is. So I okay. would avoid that at all costs. That's interesting. I mean, it just because it's it's the game. I mean, you're already gambling, so you're playing a game, but it's 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 like oh. further further gamification of of what's going on just because of like the instant feedback that you can get. I, I can see why that would be. A bad idea. That's really interesting. Um, okay, so so I think we're gonna what we're gonna have to do is figure out during the season, and I want definitely want your input on this is ways for us to to figure out how to talk to our fan base within you know folks that come to Mavs Moneyball, kind of about what you're what you're seeing in the in the betting markets and and what is upcoming and what is kind of you know worth keeping an eye on because i think as more and more areas legalize gambling um it's it's only growing bigger uh that that like my buddy my buddy matt moore who writes for the action network i remember when he made the jump he's like oh this is this feels really risky and i'm like i i just i think it's like kind of one of the last growth markets for sports because it's like the gambling arena and especially, they don't call it gambling, but the, the Daily Fantasy, which yes. is already legal in the States, that's essentially gambling, right? Yep. But what they argued was, it's gambling, but with a higher degree of skill. So technically, it's, it's like educated gambling. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's still gambling. <laughs> so that, that, that market's definitely booming, and more, more and more people are flooding to Daily Fantasy. So that's something that as a site, we could probably explore. And just, you know, finding, hey, um, Dwight Powell has a great matchup tonight against this team. He usually mm-hmm. performs really well against them. He's going to present great value if you're playing daily fantasy. I think that that's information that our fans would probably benefit from because a lot I think of people so probably too. do partake in daily sports. They, um, they have know, to. And it's really, that's what I meant earlier about in terms of presenting the same information that we might be talking about, like in a game preview, in a different point of view. And it's it's all kind of the same information, just in terms of how you want to use it, and and that's that's what I'm 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 thinking. There's a little bit of a market for just because I don't know, I can't I don't know if gambling is legal here in Texas. I haven't been here long enough, but it, it's not something that I've seen a lot of, and I just wonder because like the daily fantasy is, and and I was thinking about it, I just kind of loop it all together in my head. That's that's something that that we're gonna have to to explore a little bit because I. 
I think it it, w- it would be fun to write about because I mean it's it's just it's the same stuff at a, at, a, at a fresher angle. So, and even even look at ESPN. If you look at the way that they're broadcasting games now, all of a sudden there are lines on the mm-hmm. screen, they're over unders on the screen. They recognize that there's a need for it um, from the public perspective, and so they're catering to the public's needs. So more and more people, like I said, whether it be fantasy, whether it be daily fantasy, or whether it just be you know wagering. Um, yep. That there's definitely um, a hunger for it. And I think that we can definitely, you know, cater to their needs, but still keep it basketball focused. And the people that know how to use that information for their game, they're going to find it to be gold, honestly. So I definitely think fun. that there's an opportunity there, there for us. Well, we've managed to talk more basketball than I thought we would for the middle of August. So, so one of the things that we, that ends up happening in our, in our Moneyball Slack is like, we're kind of all talking about like what we're doing and like how we're kind of passing the time. Uh, because as much as like I waffle back and forth, like somebody posted it, it's like 56 days till the season starts and like he gave me a panic attack. But on the other hand, it's like, I'm not, I'm not really doing anything all that interesting. Like I'm, 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 you know, watching a little, like I'm still unpacking and stuff like that, but like, there's a lot of like stuff that I'd like to get to that's harder to get to in the season. And it happens in our Slack where, you know, half of us like really like trash television and then the other half, like really uh, prestige television. And I wanted you to kind of give, give you an opportunity to soapbox a little bit on the things that you're really enjoying right now, whether it, it be television, movies, books, whatever. Make, make your sure. pitch proud. So, and I know that you listen to their podcast as well, but um, Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald from The Ringer. So they have a podcast where they pretty much talk about movies, TV shows, pop culture in general. And so I became a fan of their podcast years ago. And pretty much anything that they're watching or that they talk about on their podcast, I watch. At this point, I trust their opinion. I trust that they know um, mm-hmm. what's good. And they changed the way that I view television. I'll be honest. I used to watch trash television. <laughs> I used to think Walking I thought Walking Dead was like, there's going to be no greater television show than The Walking Dead. But then as years have gone by, I've realized that certain shows that we love just aren't good. Now, sometimes you want a cheap, you want cheap thrill, right? You don't, sure. you just... You just look at to decompress. You just want to turn your brain off. You want to be able to, you know, to browse Twitter or check your emails and have a television show on in the background. And you're not really trying to pay too much attention to it. And there are certain shows that are great for that. And then there are other shows where it's like if you watch it and you have your phone in your hand, 20 minutes later, you're going to be completely lost. And lately, I found that I've been gravitating towards those shows because it literally forces me to shut out the outside world and focus on something. Um, and so just getting away and escaping and not being online has really helped me, especially through the pandemic and everything that's been going on. Sure. So I've been really attracted to shows like that. Foreign shows where I have to read the subtitles are like, that's that's my sweet spot right now. So I've been watching Gamora on HBO Max. I've been trying to get everyone on Mavs Moneyball to watch um, The Bureau, which is a French show. And so if I, if I don't understand the words and I have to read subtitles, that means I can't be on Twitter. So for me, sure. that's ideal. But I, I'm really just in a – I feel like movies, there's not enough time in a movie um, for characters to really be flushed out, for stories to really be told. Like, for example, I'm sure you watch Game of Thrones. Sure. Season one, Jamie Lannister, everyone hates him, right? He's deplorable. He's the worst thing we've ever seen on a television screen. Six seasons later, we're all crying because he died, and we're all rooting for him. 
that sort of character arc doesn't take place in a movie because it's just not enough time. That, that, that feeling in season six has to be earned through a series of moments, and that can only really happen on te- in television. And so that's really what I'm drawn to. So, yeah, that's been any, any show like that that just tells a great story that's a slow burn. I love it. And then once in a while, I'll throw in a show that's trash, but, you know, it's a cheap thrill, and it allows me to get away for a half an hour or an hour or so. You know, I do a little bit of both. Yeah, I'm I'm watching. I, I'm I'm behind on this. I'm usually pretty good about like the weekly shows because I'm enjoying. I don't know. Like with shorter shows, I really enjoy binge watching. Like anything that's you know twenty three to like thirty five minutes, kind of in that range. Like kind of the the comedy type stuff. But the the longer shows, I really enjoy watching kind of one at a time. And I've I've been watching. My wife and I were were late to White Lotus just because we moved. And I've been watching that one and I cannot figure out if I like it at all. Because on the one hand, like <laughs> on the one hand, it, it desperately makes me want to go on vacation. But then on the other hand, oh, it, yeah. it is such a like indictment of everything rich white people do that sucks. <laughs> just they, like, they I don't have a single likable character on that show. And yet I love the White Lotus. Now it took, probably till episode three or four for me to even realize what was going on or what direction the show was taking me in. But once I was in, I was in, I loved it. And you know, one thing is, it's Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I used to like to just let a show run. And then when it was done, I would just sit and binge watch it. But the problem is if you're online as much as I am, chances are someone's going to spoil it for you. Right? So there's mm-hmm. certain shows that if you really love, it has to be appointment television and you either have to watch it or go offline until you catch up on the episode. But if it's a show that, you know, you're not really that invested in, those are the ones where, like, for example, Ted Lasso. Yep. I'm letting Ted Lasso just sit there, and then on a rainy Saturday afternoon, if I'm feeling down, thing. Yeah. I, I throw on second season of Ted Lasso and blow through it in a few hours. So, you know, it depends on the show and how invested I am on whether I watch it same day or if I just let it stack up. Yeah, yeah. I'm... See, I'm like, uh, there, there's a few that I like, I almost want to revisit. Like I, I, my wife made me like, I had her put it on when I was working back during the pandemic, but like we ground through all of like marvelous Mrs. Maisel in like a week and a half somehow, because it was just like, for some reason it just clicked with me. And then there are other shows where I'm just like, I have a really hard time going back and forth. Like I really, I grew up on, um, with my aunt, like really trashy, terrible science fiction shows, like anything <laughs> that would go, like go on like the sci-fi network. Now I just am yeah. a, I'm a, I'm a mark for, and I have to like actively ignore it because there's, there's stuff that like, it's, you know, it's better. It's, it's exactly what you talked about earlier with some of the stuff that, that um, the guys at the ringer recommend, where it's just, there's, there's really high quality stuff. I really kind of enjoy, um, I, I enjoy anything that's like eight to 12 episodes where it's not so long that I can't finish it in like a week because it's like my wife and I have restarted Friday night lights. Cause we just kind of want it. We wanted to, it's been a decade and I'm like, man, there are 23 episodes. Like this is a lot of episodes. <laughs> I don't know how I'm yeah. going to do this. <laughs> so it can be intimidating, especially like if you want to rewatch the Sopranos, it's like, okay, I have to commit to 70 mm-hmm. hours of programming. Am I really willing to invest the time? But honestly, Especially through the pandemic, I have found that just watching shows that are familiar, that just give you a little bit of nostalgia, they definitely, you know, they're definitely worth it. So those well, I, shows. But the good thing is, you don't got to binge them. You can just, you know, watch an episode a night, savor mm-hmm. like a fine wine. 
Well, I will. My wife and I will watch the Bureau at some point. I have a feeling it'll be a next off season sort of thing where there's just more time because like I time my move in between it. And by the time we get through some of the stuff that she wants to watch, it's like, and like, they're always adding more. Like I like my Netflix queue and even my Amazon queue, like for some of the things that I, that I want to watch. Like, I, I don't know why, like on Apple plus there's that Jason Momoa show called C that looks so awful and I cannot wait to try it. And I just, but I won't <laughs> watch it. And, and it's, it's tough, but I will watch the bureau because I really, I know what you mean about these, these uh, foreign language shows. Like it, it, that's, that's probably, you know, one of the things I enjoyed the most, like there was this one, um, it was a three season German show called dark. That was like just the weirdest. And I, yeah. it, 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 but I loved watching it because I really like you watch the whole thing and there's, there's, you know, you, you got to put your phone down. That sort of thing's important because there's just so much of everything now is like a second screen experience, but well, this has been fun. Do you have any, anything else you want to, uh, to chat about before we uh, head on out of Dodge? No, I mean, hopefully I haven't bored the audience to tears. Um, but yeah, honestly, uh, I'm thankful to you, Kirk, for taking a chance on me. And honestly, just um, being being exposed to the whole Mavericks community has been has been a great thing for me. So I'm really thankful for the people that interact with me. I'm thankful for the people that call me an idiot, and I'm thankful for the people that read and tune in. So thank you to everybody because, like I said, before three months ago, I didn't have anyone to talk Mavericks with, and now I have hundreds and hundreds of people to talk Mavericks with. So it's awesome, and thank you guys. That's nice. It's nice. All right, guys, this has been Kirk and Xavier. I'm going to be back probably with Ben or Jordan. Um, I'm going to keep saying Lauren Gunn's name until she pops back into our Slack and says that she'll do a podcast with us. Uh, We have a new contributor, Elizabeth, who I'm hoping to get on at some point. Um, And then the overseas guys uh, like Xavier or Xavier. Um, We have Joe and then we have uh, Iztok. And so it's just it's just a really fun, diverse staff of people who have been here forever. Um, we're losing Doyle for like a month to the Texas State Fair. So he keeps on nagging me that I don't have him on. I'm like, well, man, like you're always doing weird. You know, he, Doyle, Doyle's like the most social person alive. It, it's like me. I don't have like my adult friends are all Internet friends. Like I don't have anybody yeah. that I talk to. But uh, yeah, this has been fun. All right, guys, we will be back. I don't know if I'm not back tomorrow night, then maybe the night after that. We'll see. Because today is Tuesday. Work something out. I have some other kind of bigger guests. I'm going to try to get uh, some people who I don't ever get to talk to because they've moved on to like actual media jobs as opposed to fan sites. But I hope you guys have enjoyed getting to know us a little bit more. This has been Kirk and Xavier, and we will talk to you soon enough.